0: Hey everybody, we are Francis, Martin, and Robert, and this is Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Get ready, we're about to live in your head, rent free. Welcome back to Snakes and Otters. I am Martin. And I'm Robert. And I'm Francis, sitting in the captain's chair this time. We are doing pop culture again, and this is one that I have been asking the guys to do for a long, long time. Frankenstein. Yes, that's Frankenstein, uh, if you remember that. The story of the pop culture phenomenon of the novel, of the movies, of Frankenstein. Uh, There's so much we could talk about this. This is, like I say, it's one of my favorite novels of all time. But with fitting in with our idiom, it's kind of about the eternal questions that this novel and this story brings to brings to mind this is the first one of the first of its kind to do this the first horror novel ever written uh one of the first novels written by a woman under her own name uh there's all sorts of firsts about this and yet it has it has become part of our collective consciousness
1: because yeah. the novel predates uh bram stoker's dracula what did we do
0: oh about 40 years yeah, yeah. 40 yeah. years yeah yeah which, so are, which are, those two are considered to be the the, the fathers and mothers in this case of modern horror, uh, Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley, of course. And we'll talk a little bit about her because she is essential to understand. She's got a great story herself. Uh, and sometimes movie or television portrayals of the story will feature her. Uh, but you know, that's, that's another thing uh, before I get into a little bit of background on the, on this though, you guys thoughts on this. I mean, it's part of our consciousness.
1: Well, I think you're right on the money um, to, to pick this out for something for us to explore because it does work on both of those levels, and, yeah. you know, it's, it has to, to have been something that's a part of our consciousness since 1818. Yeah. That's a long
2: time. That's exactly, yeah, very That's right.
0: Well, that's 202 years. <laughs> yeah. <and laughs> he, Think about that. And that's right. I mean, he, it, this, and this movie, or this character, or this story has been adapted probably more times than anything else. Yeah, in, in literature, if you yeah, think about he, it,
1: again, even the vampire stuff, even Dracula—that's that, yeah, yeah—that's that, the only was, thing even close. That's exactly well.
2: Right. If you go, dra- if you go vampire stuff in general, no, because vampire stuff is
1: everywhere. Is yeah, everywhere.
0: Well, but. yeah, but the story of Frankenstein is unique. It is. It is very. It is very different. Well, and in, it's it's right up our alley too. It's exactly right. It really, yeah. is it, this, the, and basically the premise of this story, the reason it's so good, and Mary Shelley just nails it so quickly. It's. About man trying to be God, yeah. and succeeding in the, in this in this case, and what does that bring about? Right. Of course, destruction. Uh, in many respects, it's a creation myth. It's I mean, it's it's very much that. It's also um, it's also a destruction myth. It's it's Satan falling into the pit, the same thing again, trying mm-hmm. to be that which he cannot be. Right. And, then, and
1: overthrowing the natural order kind that's, of thing that's, yeah.
0: that's that's the theme that she was working with that sometimes gets lost
1: yeah it's very creative and very imaginative because like you said it does work on those multiple levels it's a horror story and people love horror stories but then this added layer well, yeah, that's really why this whole this whole again yeah the creation myth and uh, like you mentioned it parallels even stuff like Jurassic Park. Yes,
0: it, essentially, it's the same story: man trying to be God and failing, and the disaster that always comes from that. Because, as we all know, it just
1: doesn't involve Jeff Goldblum. That's well, only, well,
0: This is oh god,
1: yes, it, it, it should. should. It should, it should. It
0: should. <laughs> the great Jeff Goldblum, uh, the Grandmaster himself. He's one of our favorite people. Uh, we love Jeff Goldblum. Life finds a way. That's right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, he's he's one of the one of the best guys out there. Okay. chaotician, Yeah, yeah. But uh, sorry, you've split us down a rabbit hole as we so often like to go to. But yes, Jurassic Park is the same story. Yeah. It's it's thinking that we are such geniuses that we can create life. All right, and you know the reason that this
2: has been done over and over. We we're talking about in the show prep. The first portrayal of Frankenstein was actually on stage five years after it was published in 1823. And then yeah, you know, we go a long time. Then in the once the movies start. It's constant.
1: Yeah, yeah. And throughout the thirties,
2: forties, and fifties, practically every year had at least one That's Frankenstein right. well, movie.
0: And that was, and we'll talk a little bit about that too. But uh, it was nineteen thirty with James Wales. You know, Universal took a chance on this because mm-hmm. there was no such thing as a horror movie before that. You just really didn't do that. This predates uh, uh, Dracula. Well, just this is slightly. also one of the first talkies. That's correct.
2: Because uh, you know, prior to that, because you did have what three three Movies. silent versions. Of, yeah, they were yeah. silent though. Which I gotta wonder. Does that make it more horrific or not?
1: It makes it more gothic, I bet.
2: I would. Yes, I, I, I would bet say, it does. Yes. Especially with the
1: music that they would play for the
2: background,
0: right? Yeah. So I mean, You've got there's some advantages and disadvantages, but yeah. I'm glad you kind <clears> of <throat> and I'll just talk about Mary Shelley just for a second because she has actually featured the story of her creating the book is featured at the very beginning of Bride of Frankenstein, 1931, the sequel. Yes,
2: and that's actually very good. I just watched that uh, oh, oh, several hold- months ago. It still holds up. It was up. really good. It's
0: one of the greatest movies ever made. Yes. It really is. And to be honest, it, it blows the first one away. They're sort of kind of meant to be part one and part two. They weren't intended that way, but James Bell did, directed both of them, and it's got all the stuff that you look for. In that, and believe it or not, Elsa Lancaster, Elsa Lancaster, who played the Bride of Frankenstein, yes. also plays Mary Shelley yes. in the pre- in the prologue, and she's a beautiful actress. She I mean, is. She she's, she's gorgeous. Used, yeah. Which you know she, that doesn't come across at the end, but she's uh, she's an amazing portrayal. That that's kind of the first image that we have. Still, that was almost a- yes. The Boris Karloff image of Frankenstein is what you think of. That's great. When you say the word, that's the first thing you go to. Yes. And Universal owns that image. Because they made that. Now, as we've talked about in the show prep, the book itself, the story itself, long ago became public domain. That's why so many uh, television shows and movies can just do it. They don't have to pay rights to that or anything like that. Uh, So they're able to create their own take on it. And it's been done multiple times. That doesn't really answer the question of why it's so lasting, though. It's it's easy, yes. I was
2: kind of going to go there before we rabbit hole. Uh, on another thing. But, you know, I think that one of the reasons why this is so popular because it is a primal story. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. it gets to the root of everything. And you know, we talk a lot about the hero's journey with our stories. This is not so much the hero's journey because this is a tragedy.
0: It's a perversion <clears throat> of the hero's journey.
2: Well, in yes. Some, in some, 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 some. You could say that. Um, and so, because it is one of the most primal Tragic themes. I think that's why we're drawn to it. Never mind the visuals, because I mean, obviously, that's going to be a big, big part of it. But the story, I think, the story itself grabs us because it speaks to us. Uh, you know, if we believe, as as uh, uh, Francis and I do, obviously, that uh, natural law is written in our hearts, and as Augustine says, we uh, long for the Lord. You know, we are our hearts are restless, Lord, until it we rest in You. you. Right. Uh, this is.
0: The perversion of that, right? Yes, because the man who created cannot give the love that the creation longs for, right? And because he is himself flawed, because in many respects, Frankenstein is also a story of abandonment. Yeah, that's that's a key story of it, and that goes back to the creation, you know, of Adam and Eve sin and therefore feel abandoned by God. Of course, the story as we know it, he they were not. And salvation comes, but you see, this subverts that. Yes. And and takes and because a man is in the place is the creator. Uh, of course the creation ends up hating and attempts to both supplant and destroy the creator as yes. part of the way. Because of the abandonment. Man, it's got all the all the stuff. You know,
1: in it. Yeah, and and again, not only does this same story then get mutated to Jurassic Park. It's the same story as Ultron in the comic books.
0: Sure. Yeah, it's, absolutely.
1: it's um, I okay. mean it's even Star Trek the motion picture. I mean V'ger. it's feature. Yeah, com- coming is, home is to supplant the creator. The creator. To creator, yeah.
0: touch the creator, to know the creator, to be with the creator, to become uh, one with to the become creator. one with the creator. That's great. Which of course that's what, you know, it, from from a parent and child relationship, we all want that. We this is not it's not the tragedy.
2: Correct that, that this is, but it's that same theme, though. It's yes, the theme where the 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 creation longs to be one with the creator, because as Augustine said, yeah, we are not complete until that happens. And
1: and man <clears throat> can't fulfill man, that. That's right. Right. That man, can, man it, cannot be. It's that. too big a, a hole. That's right. For are, a person to stand in. We
0: are mortal. We are flawed. Our very nature makes us just, and it kind of, there's I mean, morality all over this place uh, of this story. But just because we can do a thing does not mean that we should. Right. That's kind mm. of, that's one of the that's big. That's another big ship. theme of it, yes. That's, and yes. That, it, You know, you want to talk about bioethics. Yeah, this right. was the first bioethical story. Oh, absolutely. Uh, and it's uh, it's, been, it's been done over and over and over again so many times because it is so good. Yeah.
1: Well, I'm going to eat an Oreo cookie, though, and make Double it. Double stuff. Ooh, yes, it is uh,
0: only the best, gentlemen. Uh, oh. <laughs> make sure I had a big old thing of them here for us this time here.
1: So I'm going to eat an Oreo cookie though, and press you a little bit before we go too much farther. And let's do the little bit of bio on Mary yeah, Shelley. Yeah, we should, because I about think her. this this perspective about her, uh, you know, it informs the the novel and informs the story. Yeah, and I got to say, Mary Shelley to me is a fascinating figure. Mary yes.
0: Shelley is worthy of an our heroes. Episode. Yes, she is. Yes, she, she
1: is. really is.
0: You're exactly right. Yeah. She was, a, you know, Mary Wollstone. Ironically, Wikipedia doesn't list her by her married name. That was we know her of. Shelley was her married name. Right. That's right. how we know her uh, in modern times. And it kind of started a little bit in the 90s with Kenneth Branagh's movie, Mary Wollstonecraft's Shelley's Frankenstein. Or actually, it was Mary Shelley's around that time. is the, the movie title was Mary Shelley's Frankenstein but the works the, better on a marquee it does but <laughs> that that started to become back in there because uh, and in fact if you go to wikipedia she her married name's not even listed she's listed in mary wollstonecraft uh and she, her story itself i mean she's born in 1750 1759 she's british and she's also an advocate of women's rights think about it this she is, have to be yeah she's this 100 years before suffrage
1: no mm-hmm. wait no wait a minute 150 years that's her mother
0: Oh well, you know you are exactly right, sir. So I am sorry, I am looking off. The- yes, the
2: math does not add up, does it? Right, right. Uh, so, right.
0: Sorry, Damn it, Jim. I was looking. I'm looking at her mother. Her mother. Yes, exactly right. Uh, Seventeen ninety seven. Yeah, that's exactly mm. right. Yes. Uh, we, thank you, Wikipedia. It's got such such things here and I went. I went right to her to her mother. Uh, pe- yeah, pass the uh, pass him the uh, wonderful the uh, Oreos. While, yes. I, while I took even it.
2: though it is it is a sweet cookie, it is a double stuff, and even though I am drinking bourbon, uh, which of course, of course, that's right. Yes, uh, you know certain sweets do go well
0: with bourbon. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, you can, you can make yes. this. You can make this work. Oreos, uh, which, right, by the way, since we're talking about,
2: bourbon, we're well talking about, yeah, this, the the old tub is what we are revisiting tonight. And, yeah, uh,
1: normally our sweet of choice with bourbon
2: is a little Debbie. Would be a little Debbie. Um,
0: so I changed it up a little bit this time.
2: That's so, fine. You know, we change good. up the bourbon. We can change those are sweets. very good.
0: Yeah, well, I knew that we all liked it. So that's yeah. uh, I, I although for those who
2: who. You know, having to do with Little Debbie, PB and J, PB and J, Little Debbies. They need to come back. That's Those correct because so they're, they're they're not they're not out there. No, and uh, you yeah. find the peanut butter, but not the peanut butter and jelly. Those were awesome. Uh, agreed. Yes. Absolutely. Now
0: that's a show. <laughs> we, we could do a whole little Debbie show. We yes, could. We could. We right. could, maybe, probably probably gain twenty pounds, but uh, it would be. It might be worth it. But anyways, right. back to Mary Shelley. Yeah, Mary Shelley, Mary Mary Wollstonecraft Shelley. Uh, uh, as, as as she is known now, she wasn't known that way for a long time. It was just Mary Shelley. Her married name. She was. She was the. Uh, let's go ahead. He, he became her husband, but he was her lover, married lover, uh, the great romantic poet Percy by Shelley uh also friends with uh George Gordon Lord Byron mm-hmm. that she is in the heart of the romantic movement of literature in England in the early 1800s yes. uh, she's really mm-hmm. at, she's at ground zero shelley is well known in his lifetime uh he is one of the one of the greatest english poets mm-hmm. uh that england ever produced so we don't we want to kind of and lord byron as well all this is kind of what brought her mm, yeah. into this uh, and yet, and yet, in many, you might even say she outshone them all. She is, her her work is certainly yeah. better known, yeah. Uh, and she her name is better yeah. known. I think today,
2: I don't know that her name is better known than theirs. Her creation is better known. Well, that's true than
1: anything of theirs. That's true. Yeah. Well, she was a novelist. They were primarily poets. Yes, but you, know, you, asked, you asked anymore. the fo- yeah, exactly. Right. back so- then, poetry would have been
2: far uh, oh, more prestigious than writing oh, a yeah. novel. Oh, oh
0: very yeah. much. Yeah, well, novelism—you know—that that was that's lowbrow. It's it's very much so. Now, that that would change, mm-hmm. but and right around this time, actually. But uh, one of the things that now she, she, it was a scandal because she was much younger than Shelley was. Mm-hmm. Uh, she gets pregnant by him. Uh, he's married at the time. His wife commits suicide over this affair. now they, uh, And her father pretty much disowned her. Disowned her, yeah. She was she was a wealthy family. Uh, and But she, she gave it all up for love. And it was a love match from what we understand. Uh, hers and Shelley's uh, romance is one of the great, uh, great romances of the time. Uh, they have uh, four children together, only one of whom survives in, uh, uh, really being born. And it's part of that, and at the death of their first infant, the one that she got pregnant with out of wedlock, all this that went with it—it was—it was very, very um, traumatic for her, tragic for her. Uh, we would use the term postpartum depression. Of course, there was no such diagnosis at the time. And it was during one of these episodes that she had. She and Gordon or Byron and Shelley are off uh, uh, in a country retreat, and there's there's a lot of storms going on. You know, they're kind of isolated, and she has a dream about this creation coming to life. And the story's well-known, and she, she writes about it, and it's actually in the beginning of Bride of Frankenstein where she tells it. She, there's the brilliance of her as an author. She takes this dream, this image, and she builds probably one of the greatest classics of modern literature out of it. It didn't really tell her what to do with it. She just went with it. Right. And the more she worked with it, she realized you know she had something amazing. Of course, she has Shelley and Byron's you know,
1: input into this, critiques of it, but ultimately, it's her work.
0: You know, they mm-hmm. didn't help her at all.
1: Yeah, but it's a milieu that she's in that's, that's very creative. That's yes, it, yes. It's and the crucible,
2: this, and yes, in this relationship with with them, this this mini, uh inklings, uh, <laughs> yeah, for lack of a better, yeah, it's very good. Term. Algonquin uh, Round
1: that's right, it's right that kind of thing.
2: You know, it is something that is very uh, uh formative and very much in, inscribed on the psyche because. You see it in the movie, Bride of Frankenstein. That's right. Uh-huh. You see it in a recent Doctor Who episode. Yes. They
0: visit the trio. Right. and It's a very famous story, of course. Yeah. Because she wrote about it later, especially once the novel became not just popular, but uh, amazingly popular. Uh, it, you know, and, and she was a woman. The, the, uh, writing under her own name. I mean, that's, that's you know, this is long before any of that was done. Right. She, she predates the Bronte sisters. She predates uh, George Eliot, Marianne Evans, uh, and many other women writers of, course, of the 1800s. But
2: she didn't write under her own name.
0: She had to write, she wrote. Well, exactly. Under in fact, there's been a movement recently to retitle all the works of Marianne Evans with her own name. Hmm. Now I don't think that her estate sports that. I don't know. I've, it's just been talked no, about.
2: All of her stuff's gonna going to be in in public domain. Anyway, so it's kind of probably for you know again rabbit hole, but probably for clarity. Yeah, you know it would be Silas Marner by George Eliot slash whatever.
0: And I want to say you have most, to keep George Eliot in there. I think I think so too. And I think there's it's been it's been indicated in many ways on that. But like I say, she was she was phenomenal. As I said, her mother. Was uh, one of the foremost
1: women's uh, women's rights advocates, an early feminist. in early feminists, you and you know, stress that we're talking about the age of Napoleon here. We're talking about yeah, you know, eighteen eighteen is when the novel was actually published. Um, yeah, this, I mean, it's three years after Waterloo. Uh, I mean, yeah the so world
0: that, has just gone through an enormous upheaval. Yes, so that's kind of the backdrop of this terrifying. Because as we
1: always say. Nothing happens in a vacuum. This stuff is always all related. Um, You know, I've always maintained that all the post World War I literature and art are all very much apocalyptic. Well,
0: Hemingway is a great example of that because because he was the uh, Lost Generation. Yeah, they felt the war was. Ever
2: the
1: Scream? I mean, come on. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, T.S. Eliot and The Wasteland and all of that. So this is a very. Yeah, yeah. this is a very similar time. There's a huge upheaval. Yeah. The world's essentially Um, Congress of Berlin and 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 remade. remade. Yeah, remade, and so that's all feeding this milieu of these romantic poets. This idea of uh, you know charging off. Uh, on some kind of romantic adventure. I mean, Byron ends up, he's a great poet, well-known in Britain. He goes to Greece to fight in their war of independence and and dies of disease doing it uh, as a young man, really. So it's all of this is churning at the same time. All of these things would be memories, uh, you know, fresh in the mind of all of these people. That's right, because death is so, I mean, you have
0: just gone through it's one of the bloodiest periods in human history. And at that time, it was considered, you know, would be the bloodiest. And what is the novel about? Part of it is conquering death. That's right. Exactly. Because so many people have lost so much. So this novel resonated for so many reasons, uh, both then and now. You know, we don't, this novel is still read today. It's And uh, if, listeners, if you haven't taken the time, it's not that long. No. It is perhaps one of the most... It might be one of the greatest novels in human history. Well, it is one of them, certainly. Uh, I, I don't like to set them at set such things at odds with each other, but uh, because it is uh, because of its themes, so much about having, uh, it, it, it's it's just it's all that. And yet that story has been has morphed. That's not the story we know. Uh, some of it's been restored. Uh, thank you, Kenneth Branagh, which started that in the '90s. Which which really that was the first. Uh, with Mary Shelley's Frankenstein, the movie was re- uh, with Branna and uh, Robert de Niro, was the first real adaptation of the novel. Nobody else really did it. They all had to make adaptations and changes. Now, there's some here and there, but the ones that we know, Universal changed a whole lot of it. I mean, it it bears they modernized it. It bears almost no resemblance uh, except at the basic levels. Uh, right, because Doctor
2: Frankenstein in the novel puts the the creature together in the
0: attic of his boarding house. Right. Yeah. Not some castle in Transylvania. That's exactly right. You know, yeah. <clears throat> and there's no electricity. You know, there's electricity, but there's not. See, that's a lot of that was done for visual effects. But you see, the brilliance of this novel, if you read it carefully, uh, it's obvious. We don't know. We don't know nor care how he does what he does. The, to be honest, that's not the story.
2: Oh, you know, speak, I, I can't believe we have to stop for just a second. Yeah, we forgot the most famous adaptation of this you know, particular concept:
1: Rocky Horror Picture Show. Uh, well, oh, that's your yes. correct.
0: That's you're exactly right. That's you know, uh, build a creature. That's yeah, exactly. Yeah. Build a creature. That's that's exactly what this is all about. Uh, uh, and you think about it, it's 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 macabre. But it also makes sense. Well, why can't we reanimate the dead? Why is dead always dead? And this is the, this is long before the subject of of uh, blood typing or uh, or uh, rejection of tissue or transplants or any of this sort of stuff. Here, uh, many of those questions have been answered scientifically, but yet nobody does. What she first is. zombie story? Well, that's exactly right. It's exactly it. Uh, all, everything owes it to her when it comes to that. And because, well, how do you bring back the dead? Why can't you bring back your loved ones? Shouldn't well, you? If, if we're God, key, if we're that good. Yes. Because we, got we that are genius, so advanced. It's right. Why can't we? And,
2: you know, depending on what age you are in, uh, you know, this was written prior to, at least in this country. I don't know if it was true, so much true in Europe, but there was a great awakening, they called it, in the 1820s and 1830s. Oh, yeah, it, right,
0: it was right around that time. Well, this would be before that, right? It, it was written before that, but it beca- it came to its own during so, that time. You know, other than it, it was during these
2: times when there's a great religious fervor, the tendency for the last several hundred years since the Enlightenment has always been: the more recent we are, the more modern, the better. That's right. That science can tell us everything, and this very plainly, even even though it was not her intention, maybe it might have been, I don't know, but. It very plainly
0: tells us science is not everything. Oh, it, that is that is definitely her attention. Yeah, you know, uh, we cannot be God, no matter how much we know, and that's I mean that simplifies it a little bit, but that's ultimately what she's talking about. So, a great, uh, there's a great Frankenstein uh,
2: story uh, joke. So, Doctor Frankenstein is boasting how he's going to create, recreate life, to create life from from what is death, and he and God are arguing about it. And so God says, "Fine, let's see you do it." So Frankenstein reaches down, grabs up a handful of dirt because God made Adam from dirt, right. and God says, "Wait a minute,
0: get your own dirt." <laughs> ah, okay, very good. I hadn't heard that one before, but yeah, you're exactly there. You go. That's that's that is that it's exactly what yes. she's talking about. The created can only work
2: with other created materials, that's right? And that's just it. It's material. You know, it's what you can touch. And the thing that we cannot do is create a soul, except through the normal means of procreation. Well, that's right. And where we cooperate with God, not act in opposition to God or in defiance of God. Or in competition. Or in competition. Oh, that's a beautiful way of putting Mm -hmm. it.
0: Well, that's ultimately what that is. That's right. And uh, interesting you brought up the age of Napoleon. Napoleon himself is known for... Uh, this almost religious fervor he inspired. In many respects, he was seen by many at this time as the Antichrist. But he also was seen by many as the, the new Christ, the new Adam, you might even say. So, And, of course, he's fallen at this time. So this is kind of also yeah. in the background saying, you know, yeah. uh, a man trying to be God has a tendency to destroy everything around him. And that's the theme of what happens here. Because ultimately, Frankenstein destroys his creation destroys him and he, but he also destroys himself too because he's not able to be. Because
1: Frankenstein's he, the doctor, not the monster. That's exactly right. So,
2: because honestly, I, I you know, almost ashamed to admit it for this uh, episode. But I have not read the book itself, uh, but I know that it, you know, obviously the movies that we're aware of take great liberties yes. in the movie, especially universal's original with Boris Karloff,
0: because
2: mm-hmm. uh, they did four with him, but there are many others afterwards. Uh, you know, there's that scene, uh, tender scene with uh, the monster and the little girl. Yes. Basically, humanizing the monster, giving him a soul. That's James Whale. Yes. Yes. That I have got to think that is totally not in. That's correct. Because it, it flies against the
0: whole thing. Right. The monster is essentially because it
2: makes the creation. Yeah. Uh, in this case, the flaw, what you know, the, what is created by creation. Yeah. Uh, something good that is misunderstood, mm-hmm. whereas. The intention is, it's a monster because that's right. You have committed an act of evil in creating it. That's right, an abomination.
0: One. Yes, an abomination. abomination. Uh, yes, uh, the villagers uh, have it correct. Right, this is not natural, and they react as anyone would to something not natural and a monster. You must protect yourselves, uh, and uh, it's it's the te- the the movie kind of turns that around because they make the monster into a Christ figure. Yes, if you if you watch that movie. It's all over the place. There are crosses everywhere. The monster, the monster is actually hung up on a cross at one point here, uh, which, of course, is a reversal of what Mary Shelley had put out for this creation is sacred, but we cannot abide something which is different. So we must destroy it. See, so that's yeah. a different theme altogether. Entirely different. It, 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 not Which that it's is, bad. Yeah, as I say, that's a great theme. It's a, it's a great story. That's why. That but it's movie, not the story she wrote. That's exactly right. Yes. And that's one of the reasons, but, but again, that morphing that they did nailed our consciousness yet again. It took, a, it took a character and took a story and took a theme and totally changed it. Yeah. And re-imprinted itself on us. the enough,
2: I was joking about, you know, bringing up the Rocky Horror Picture Show, that is a far more faithful mm-hmm. story yeah. compared to the original because what Frank does mm-hmm. is evil. Right. And the monster is, you know, not really a sympathetic figure,
1: depending mm-hmm. on who you talk to. <laughs> right. Well, for Marcus, uh, our friend the Marcus the Emperor, uh, he, he, he liked it. It. Yeah, he, yeah, he liked it. it. Yeah. 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 But, you know,
2: the monster is, I think, one of the ultimate... Figures or examples of chaos and man's capacity to do harm right. run amok. Run amok. He's the ultimate perversion. Yeah. yeah. Well,
1: it's one of our favorite words. Hubris.
0: Oh, well, yes.
2: Yeah. Oh, oh, there you have not used hubris in a, in a long time. Uh, that's, yeah. true, that's one
0: of our favorite But that's, yeah. that's exactly the same. We've, been, we've um, been stuck on
2: pathos for so long. Right? Yeah, pathos. But right. And, but but the, we
1: worked in milieu, and now we worked in... Uh, um, Hubris, Huber, so right. we're in good shape. Well, that in fact that is exactly his sin. Yes, yes. Uh,
0: and, and well, that's the sin. That's exactly it's pride. Pride is the you know. Well, it's also idolatry. Yes, it's making making the self into God. Well, the subtitle of the book is called "The Modern Prometheus: That Which Brings Fire." But fire is not just a tool; it's also a, to, a form of destruction. It's that. Duality. Once again, yes, because man can take anything that is good. Fire is great. That's right.
2: Keeps us warm. Cooks our food. But we can pervert it into something that is evil. Mm-hmm. It's how we
0: use it, and, and which is exactly what the doctor did.
2: Yes, he uses what is good and perverts it. As we were talking about in the show prep, I don't think we've mentioned it during the show, but it is the the, the story of the fall, you know, the fall Absolutely. of Satan. That's great uh, Yes, you know, rebelling against God, trying to set himself up. Uh, mm-hmm. In opposition, which, as we know, if, it's hard for us to grasp that because how do you set yourself up against the Creator? You know, you the only way it could possibly work is that the Creator is not truly omnipotent, right? Uh, so,
0: well, it, it's it's got a little Oedipus story in it too. it's, yeah, well, it's, yeah. it's taking the father's place. Yeah, which is the, which is part of the attempt here, and it, it is, and it's also had it, it it's a commentary on marriage as well. Uh, because that is a the natural means of creation you know of co-creation with god to, to become parents For, the monster wishes that more than anything else that is his ultimate goal is to be like us it's its data story from the next generation oh yes another it's pinocchio yes. wanting to be human it's I mean, that's this this she started all that all these things that we pull from, she did it first.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's striking to understand how much flows from this same premise. Right. And that's without even talking about how, again, being this being a pop culture episode and, and bringing so many things in, um, you know, you split it off into spoof and parody, and you've got Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. And you, yes. of course, you got Mel Brooks. Oh, just uh, oh yeah, still you know, one of the greatest movies. It is ever. that is one yeah. of the top comedies Absolutely. of all time.
0: We, we were talking in the show prep a little bit. The guys didn't realize this, but that is intended to. Boris Karloff did three. Move. He did four, but that came later. The the one with uh, yes, yeah, so it was nineteen. Actually, it was three movies and a television episode. Uh, exactly. Appearance. Yeah, the, the the later one is sort of kind of a one off. He really did three movies: Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, and Son of Frankenstein. Son of Frankenstein was with Basil Rathbone as the son of the original doctor, uh, and uh, that son in that third movie himself has a son named Frederick. So that is intended to be Gene Wilder's character <laughs> years later of course done in black and white so it's it's they're meant to all be kind of the same thing in fact when you see young frankenstein and you've kind of got used to the tropes by that time but it really is a direct sequel to son of frankenstein uh, uh, so it's really intended to be it's a lot the, the the connected dots are a lot cleaner if you watch them. If you watch those four movies, back back. <laughs> they're not long. You know, I think the, the the first two are barely over an hour. They're not. They're, they're, I don't think they're ninety minutes. They they might be close to that. but yeah, not much. Know, I, They're they're, they're, very, <clears throat> they're very short.
1: Yeah, a lot of the a lot of those older films uh, they're yeah, short. Yeah, ninety minutes is long. Right. You know, that's that's drive-in stuff. It's mm-hmm. double feature type stuff. We, oh yeah. And, yeah,
0: and that's and that's. I'm glad you glad you went there because that's what happened to Frankenstein to the story. Uh, Boris Karloff, who himself was an amazing classical actor, brought such pathos to that first movie. And, you know, you were just talking about it, how uh, part of it's the director, part of it's the screenwriter and the adaptation, but a lot of it's Karloff, about he made this character somebody to root for. Yes. Yeah, that that scene with the little girl is iconic. Absolutely. It absolutely is. And, and, And with the blind man. Yeah, that which you know, which was famously parodied in in Young Frankenstein, of course. I think they both were, weren't they? Uh, you're exactly right yeah. because uh, uh, because in in the move in Young Frankenstein, he sits on the uh, on the on the seesaw and plops her up into the air, and she ends up back in her bed. And the parents walk in and looking for her. Oh, there she is. Oh, isn't that wonderful? Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's it's in many respects, Young Frankenstein was kind of a remake of Frankenstein and a sequel and all this stuff. But that's just. That's the genius of Mel Brooks. Yes, yeah, he's yes. A, an amazing, amazing director, and so many of his movies are wonderful. Uh, but with with all that, they made a gazillion dollars for Universal. Oh
2: mm-hmm. yeah,
0: I mean it was unbelievable. They they successfully created a new genre of movies, the horror genre. It had never been done before. Well, well not real, not successfully. It or, had or been done, but but you have to remember though, you know, it's nineteen thirty.
2: It's nineteen thirty. It? So. There's not a whole lot that's been done before, but there absolutely has have been horror movies. before. Sure, of though. course. This would be probably considered the first horror blockbuster, the first really good one. Yeah, because you know it's one of the first. It's probably the first talking horror movie. Yeah, because uh, in 1930, you know, they're you're only really getting talkies for a couple of years at this right. point, so it's all brand new. So almost anything you put out the first five years of talkies is, probably makes. A gazillion amount of money, uh, but it well, was it is, was fresh. I mean, yeah, this is fresh, not, this yeah. is
0: not a romantic comedy. This is something nobody's ever really seen before. Yeah. and uh, again, Karloff did such a fantastic. And it's job. cheap. And it's oh, it was and very it's cheap. cheap. Yes. It was very cheap because the story carries it. Yeah. Well, back
2: then, making movies was really cheap, anyways, because you know, everybody was on contract. Um, oh yeah, well, yeah, and the artist suffered. It's greatly. a
1: hundred year old material, a hundred plus yeah. year old material. So. You know, you, know you, pay, not,
2: you pay some hack to, to write a, to do the script. I mean, I don't. What, care. I'm
1: what, not saying
0: the guy was a hack, but yeah. this is the the method. You pay somebody who's an unknown
1: it, you turn to up. turn out
0: a it, ton it, of scripts. But it just so happened that they got lightning in a bottle with that first one, yes. And they recognized it, and they brought James Will back to do the second one, which actually, in some kinds of ways, eclipsed its predecessor. You know, people yeah. remember Bride of Frankenstein more. Than they do the original. In fact, they, they they muddle them together because it's like as I said earlier, it's really one story. Yeah, uh, it's yeah. it's meant to be one thing, and it's well, uh, you know, uh, the uh, the the hair on the bride is what everybody
2: what, yeah, and, and, and think about that uh, image. Yeah, how that image has been used. At least as often as the image <laughs> oh, of Frankenstein. Yeah, and,
0: you know, she only appears in just like a few moments at right. the very end of that movie. Yeah, she, when I watched she, it, I was the, like, where is she? What's going on? She then, doesn't even speak. She just screams. Yeah. <laughs> and that's all it took. But it was so amazing. Uh, and it it just, but it became a cash cow very quickly. Because you had Bella Lugosi soon after that with Dracula. Because mm-hmm. you know, basically, I, you, can, you can picture the guys in the suits around Hollywood. Yeah make making the money. What else we got around here? Well, there's this this Dracula book. Well, bring it on. Find somebody. Uh, who's this guy, Bella? Let's go get book him. Let's get it going. Uh, that's uh, it. Was Dracula was not near as successful of a franchise as Frankenstein was for Universal. It had a, it had a few, but it didn't have near as many. Uh, and that's when they realized what can we? What else can we make out? And that's when you get other things like that. But they would successfully put out. I think it was like seven. Or eight. I don't have the numbers in front of me. Right after another of the Frankenstein movies, up until I think Abbott and Costello may have been the last one. It was <laughs> in the forties. Yeah, uh, was the, was the last one that they did, yeah. and they they brought in Cedric Hardwick to do some uh, different other things like that. Uh, they they started mashing them together because they owned the rights to the Wolfman and to Dracula uh, of the, the, Invisible and the Invisible Man. Invisible yeah. Man. All of a sudden, yet another. Abbott and Costello. That's right. And uh, all of a sudden, Universal had this great renaissance of horror movies. Yeah. And people ate it up. That's... that's We still know that. It's...
2: Horror is a great genre for a lot of reasons. Uh, It's one of the the best because you can deal with the dark themes. Yeah. uh, And... So you can deal with the serious stuff about uh, man fighting against God to become God. Yeah. But you can also deal with just the sheer shock value. Yeah. You can do the, the uh, you know, you can project all kinds of, uh, of stories upon it, you mm-hmm. know. Genre, in many ways, is just the the setting for most stories. Sure. You know, science fiction is the setting for a ton of different things, yeah. uh, you know. Depending on what it is now, loves, you know, romance—that is probably more what we think of a true genre. Horror kind of is in some ways,
0: but it's but a good horror yeah. is the vehicle for the other stories you want to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, and Mary Shelley really proved that with her with her book because horror is—you're right—it's uh, the first horror novel, but it's really not about. It is about that, but it's not really. Yeah, about I, that. well, you know, you can deal with these dark themes. It's escapist, yeah. and when
2: you think about the '30s and '40s. That's huge. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's one of the reasons why uh, uh, movies became so
1: popular is people needed an escape during the, d- the Great Depression and
2: during World War II yeah. and after.
1: Right. Yeah, and, and with horror, it's, it's exciting. So people felt like they were getting their money's worth.
2: Right, but they didn't have to deal with the war itself. So yes. they could still get that, you know, scare without having to yeah. deal with the war. Yeah. Right? yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it, or
2: with their own or 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 with All good stories bring about
0: emotional reactions. And, yes. And this this one here is a particular yeah. one that is some of the most powerful. And that's one of the reasons it works so well. And part of the I mean, they, they turned these things out almost in an assembly line for many, many years. Although it did wane. After, you know, after the war, it, they just, they went on to other things. They weren't as popular until uh, a little known studio in Britain... Known as, <laughs> known as Hammer Studios, yes, Hammer Studios uh, decided we're Is going. Is that owned by Justin? Yeah. Wait, sorry, sorry Wrong Hammer. But you're yeah. right. Uh, yeah, uh, decided we're going to let's let's remake these because they're in the public domain. Mm-hmm. We just we can't make it look like theirs. Now they have the image rights, but the story rights and the character rights they don't. And thanks to some of in my opinion, and I think you guys probably agree with me, some of the greatest British actors ever born on this planet, Peter Cushing and Christopher Lee. Yes. Thanks to those two men in particular, with the star power and the gravitas that they brought to those roles, they successfully started the thing over again in their own way. Yeah. And this is in full living
1: color, yeah. and this
0: is Blood, blood, yes. more blood. That's you, a yeah. big
1: part of it. The Hammer really introduced the gore aspect. That's right. This of is it. the fifties. Yeah, and all so, of a sudden, I mean, the, all the Dracula stuff comes back with a lot of gore in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sexual themes come back on the Hammer, and yeah. Hammer is a way to make money in post-war Britain that is very cash-strapped.
0: That's exactly right, and they and because the movies are pretty cheap.
1: Oh yeah, and you've
0: got you've got great stories. They're well written. Yeah, uh, they're uh, and they've got some great talent. And they ride those they, the same thing. Sequel after sequel after sequel after sequel. Peter Cushing makes an amazing Doctor Victor Frankenstein. <laughs> yes, he does. And Christopher Peter Lee, Cushing does it an amazing whatever he does. That's right. He really does. The more Did. We- the more you tighten your grip, the more star systems will slip through your fingers. Just in <laughs> case, listeners, you don't realize who Peter Cushing was—Grand Moff Tarkin from Star Wars. May he rest in peace. But he's amazing, amazing. Yes, the good Star Wars. But uh, <laughs> exactly, uh, yes, because in the other, in the other Star Wars, uh, Christopher Lee was Count Dooku. Yes. You know, there's an irony for you. You know, Star Wars has talk about of somebody who's
1: had a career renaissance. Oh, absolutely. Over the last few years, I mean, and when he passed yes. away
0: two years ago, Christopher Lee. I, think was. Uh, I don't know. It's, I don't it's,
1: remember the date. It's
2: it's relatively recent, recently, yes. 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 Uh, I mean, but it, well, you know, Ian McKellen. Uh, you know, he he had a career renaissance starting with the X Men movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Christopher Lee. He had uh, he had uh, not just uh, Star Wars, but he had the uh, Lord, of the, Lord of the Rings. Lord of the Rings.
1: One. That's where I was trying yeah, yeah, Lord of the Rings, and then Ian McKellen's in that as well. And, yeah, you know, yeah. so. Which is great
2: because they're fan- they're fantastic actors. They're, yeah, you know, well, Ian McKellen still is. is. I was going to yeah. say
0: yes. let's not let's not um, uh, let's not send him to the group. Yeah, not 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 to great. Yeah, no. he's, he's one of the best but, out there.
2: So you know, I, we probably spent more talking about the, I guess the, why. So I mean, it can't just be that we're talking that this is primal themes that speak to people because not everybody operates on that level. Well, so, you're right. So why is it so popular? Because I mean, this is pop culture. That's you know? right. Well, you
0: know, I mean, that, that is a very. I mean, good And we've talked question.
2: a lot about the impact and how it's fed into other things, and the you know so much is recognizable. Why do we keep loving
0: it? Yeah, that is a that is a very good question. Uh, it's it's I think a lot of it. It has the ability to be naughty. Oh, now that's interesting. I like the way you have put that. Yeah, that's that was uh, exactly because you're doing stuff you're not supposed to do. And this is, you know, it's it's a morality play, uh, and it shows that it's fun to do what you're not supposed to do, <laughs> up, to point, up to a point. That's until exactly it turns it, on you. Until it turns exactly, and because uh, well, and you know, it's it's taking the brakes off, uh, and everybody likes everybody likes to zoom down the hill without brakes until you reach the end of it. You know what I'm saying? You know, and that whole uh, being naughty thing, you know, I
2: think that's uh, until it bites you in the ass. I think that fits in with Hollywood up through the fifties, yeah, because you know it's still very much a studio system and it's still very much a, you know, we, we've got our own internal sensors. You know, we don't have a, a national sensor. right? But you know, we've got we've got standards that we adhere to
0: because we don't want to get in trouble. And you're correct, but this allows you to be controlled and naughtily really controlled, perhaps, because the thematic story is naughty, right? The but it's highbrow naughty, yeah. The and and. You know, what is bad has to get its comeuppance in the end. Ironically, yes, even though, which does happen. But in many respects, it's another one of those anti-heroes. Dr. Frankenstein is the villain. Yes. And so is the monster. Mm -hmm. And yet they are both protagonists. And they are both antagonists. That's brilliant writing. I think that's a lot of the, one of the reasons this has, has worked because you see the story has been done so many ways and so many times where to show them, I mean, like I said, it was Branagh uh, in uh, 1996, I think it was, that actually adapted the real story. And to be honest, I loved it. I've been waiting for that. Robert De Niro as the monster was amazing, but it was panned because unfortunately the ship had sailed. Uh, Universal and Hammer and all the others adaptations had supplanted their creation. So, there's not a theme for you. <laughs> uh, the creature supplants the creation. Uh, well, that's yeah, exactly so the whole Frankenstein, thing. Yeah. Frankensteinian. Frankensteinian?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But, so is it just the titillation then that makes it so popular? Cause I mean, it's not just titillation in no, a because sexual it, sense. Right, it's it it's, it,
1: it's got to reach you deeper than that, it's even visceral. if people don't realize it. Yeah. There We're, is something that, that's reaching very much deeper. Yeah. Again, that is touching that theme of, you know, this is not something we are supposed to do. Yeah. This We're is, this is wrong. Yeah. This, this is, is against wrong. nature. And I think people just, they understand that, again, like you said, that very primal level. at That way deep in the back of your brain, you can't even articulate it. You'll love it. I think that's exactly. Well, what in thinking. a way, that's
2: a titillation. Yeah, it is. When you think about it, because it's a unique frame. People get off, you know, relatively speaking, metaphorically speaking, people get off on the voyeurism mm-hmm. of watching the story about, you know, not supposed to do that, but, you know, this is kind of interesting.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, well, yeah.
2: And, you know, depending on how it's done, you know, it can be a little more titillating in certain ways than others, but, you know, maybe, maybe you could boil it down to that, but. Well, yeah, I but mean, you see. Even I think it's... that. It, I mean, I do you think that those deeper themes yeah. do uh help keep it alive? That's given but up. I think that yeah. the, the visual and
0: the the uh you know the, the otherworldliness of it. That's a, good uh, have a, that's a very good word. Uh, beyond the door, as they say, yeah, you know, yeah. uh, you're very much with, in the house of
2: mystery. That's right. <laughs> yes, in the house. Of,
0: exactly. Things that you're not supposed to be messing with. Uh, human. You know, we all know the Twilight Zone. In, in many respects, it's a similar type of thing. Why is it the is? Twilight Zone interesting? Is because you're doing things you're not supposed to do. And uh, the or origin- it's about things that shouldn't exist. That's right. And, which again, same thing. Well, that, it, Rod Serling was really good at tying into that because mm-hmm. almost all those stories, and they were similar to the comic horror of the time. Mm-hmm. They were morality stories. You know, don't do the bad stuff or bad things happen to you. Yeah. Uh. You. Well, know. in some
2: cases, bad things happen to you when other people won't listen to you. Because think about William Shatner's monster on the the wing of the plane.
0: Oh, that's right. It's uh, terror mm-hmm. at twenty thousand feet. Yes. Yeah. Thank which, you.
2: Which has been remade a couple of times. It was that bad. Uh, you know that's that's one where uh, you know the, the the protagonist William Shatner is not believing, he ends up going basically to the loony bin. Yeah. But then of course you see the wing of the plane that has been torn open right. from the monster. You know it was real. Right. So, uh, you know that of course that's his
0: twist. Yeah. Really. So, Sterling was was brilliant. And we've talked about Rothstein yeah, so a lot. He's talked one about, of our favorite, what a big deal he favorite is. Writers. is a, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. He was, a creator, he truly a, a genius. Do we have an episode for him coming up? We do not, but I think we just added one. Yeah, I think <laughs> that's uh, Yeah, that we, we, like yeah a, there's a
1: huge corpus of work there too. Yeah, that's definitely a pop culture episode. Yeah. So, well, Francis, would you like to wrap up a little bit, brother?
0: Yeah, I, well, I just I just want to remind people that, A, you should read the story. You really, really should. And if you want to see a new version uh, that's been done recently, uh, I encourage you to check it out on YouTube. Johnny Lee Miller and Benedict Cumberbatch performed the stage version of Frankenstein in, uh, in London uh, for a long, long run, several years, in fact, where each played both parts. One would play the doctor and the other would play the monster. On one night, and the next night they would switch. No. see, <laughs> yes, Benedict Cumberbatch has played several doctors. That's right, Doctor Holmes. He, that's right, Doctor yeah, Dr. Dr. Strange. Strange. That's right. People yes. thought he should be the next Doctor. That's what uh, I, I didn't realize. that, he's exactly right. Well, a lot of
2: people were hoping he would be the new Who uh, uh, before Jodie Whitaker took over. He,
0: he's
1: he's come a little. He's, he was a little. He's been a little busy. Yeah, yeah I was yeah. To say, it might be tough to get him for uh, yeah, yeah, for a few years. He's, yeah.
0: he's definitely in the ascendancy, one of the greatest actors. But you can see that in this version. It, they and You can get both versions out there. Uh, and it's about, you know, it's a it's a stage play. It's about three hours. You know, it's got an intermission, the whole thing. But it's a faithful adaptation of Mary, Still, Mary Shelley's work. And it is astounding. It is astounding. You know London Theatre is one of the greatest in the world. And these are two of the greatest actors in the world. And to have them both play this same roles, and yet they're so different, and yet so the same, it's really worth checking out.
2: Well, it's a, it's a great uh, commentary what you talked about earlier, that both the, the monster and the doctor are the protagonist and the antagonist. Right. And by switching, they're demonstrating that. That's yeah. right. it's,
1: it's right. Because it's a duality, and they're, they're mirror images.
2: Right. Well, right. and you know, I think that's one of the great things about... Uh, a, a good story is that your, especially something like this the the uh, the antagonist should be a mirror of the protagonist yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. a broken mirror in this case yeah well <laughs> yes, yes almost always it should be a broken mirror you know, especially like in a hero's journey which as we said this you could say this is a very broken hero's journey but um, a good story the bad guy should have a should be a mirror of some kind of the hero.
0: That's exactly right, and it's uh, it's an amazing amazing story. What's <laughs> next, buddy? <laughs> oh, uh, listeners,
1: apologies for the uh, the dog barking, but hey, we love the puppies, and, that's and they're right. well. Two of us love the puppies. Yeah, they're uh, in the house, and they're they're making some noise on us.
0: Well, because they're celebrating. Next episode, it's a jube time. jube. That's right, exactly. <laughs> if they're gonna if they're gonna go off, we might as well join them, right? You know, hoopajube. Oh, I've been waiting for this one too. We we set this one about a year ago. Because it's October, and it's chilly time.
1: Yeah, I mean, what else do you do in October except eat chili? That's exactly right. That's what well, and
0: beg for candy
1: from strangers. There you go. Well, well, maybe ready. not this year. You <laughs> know, uh, you know, my neighbors get very upset when I go trick or treating. I think it's because I make a hot cat woman. Oh, Could God. be. <laughs> there are some visuals that we're not meant to see. That's a stolen joke. I oh, that's, that's a stolen same. joke.
0: Yeah, we, uh, yeah, that's not. We wow. Do that. <laughs> no, no, sir. No, uh, there's some things. Oh, I can't unsee this. Oh, my gosh, go away. Uh, it, the next Sometimes time we are cursed with a good uh, good imagination. imagination. Yes. yes. Yeah. we're Next time we're going to talk chili. Uh, I actually, we'll be cooking some really great chili. We'll be eating it beforehand. So we will have fat little tummies. So we'll be warm and fuzzy. And we can talk all about chili, why we love it, what's different about it, and are we snobs about it? No. And we resist. Yes. <laughs> and
1: there we go. See? Join us next time. Thanks for being with us here every week at Snakes and Otters, a pointless discussion of eternal questions. Be sure to spread the word on your social media accounts. Follow us and retweet us. We are on Instagram and on Twitter at Snakes and Otters. Let your friends know that they can find us on
2: Podbean, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. Just search Snakes and Otters Podcast to find us. And please, remember to leave us your comments and reviews.
0: It helps people find us. And you can always send us an email at snakesandotterspodcast at gmail.com. I'm Martin. I'm Robert. And I'm Francis. Catch us next week. Same snake time, same otter channel.